Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the Cloud English Podcast. My name is Luke, and it is not Friday, it is Saturday, April 1st, uh, 2029, or something along those lines. It's great to have you here. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to be covering a lot of things. Our main topic today is about English conversations. How can you have good ones? How can you have natural ones? It's easier than you might think, but also in some ways more difficult, depending on what you consider to be easy and difficult. We're also going to be learning some English from TV shows. We're going to be looking at a scene. I really like doing this. We might do this in every single podcast. I don't want to make a rule or anything, but I think it's a really great way to sort of extract the gems, the gems from the show, right? And uh, we're going to be looking today at The Last of Us, the TV show The Last of Us. We're also going to be talking about a common question around the word guy. Who can use guy? How is guy used? What is what is up with the word guy? Why do I hear girls saying guys? Doesn't guy mean guy, which is man? I'm confused. Reasonably so. So we're going to clear that up. And then the last thing we're going to cover, which I think is, wow, it's so cool. I spent quite a long time on it. It is about using chat GPT for IELTS. Now, we're going to be experimenting with this in a way I haven't used yet because in the in the practice, let's say testing that I did, I was using GPT-4 and we're going to be using instead GPT-3.5. So we're going to see how good 3.5 is. And the reason I want to test it on 3.5 is, you know, right now GPT-4, it's only through the paid versions. So you have to pay $20 a month. I know not everyone is willing to pay $20 a month. It makes tons of sense for me to do that for everything in my life, just my work, right? My business, it helps me organize things. It helps me, if I need a lot of information, sort it, say, okay, take this and format it nicely for me. So I'll create something and then I'll have it format that really nicely. It's so useful to me that that $20 a month is like an obvious no-brainer sort of business expense. I get that not everyone is has the same sort of th way of thinking about it. But um, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. So I'm going to, so we're going to be, yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Right at the top of the show, if you haven't already done so, I would deeply, sincerely appreciate if you could hit the like button and subscribe. That's a fantastic way to support what I do. It's very simple, right? Like button, subscribe. If you watch these later, you know, leave a comment as well. That helps too. Let me know what you thought. Let me know if you have any questions, anything like that. If you would like to get a free course and you haven't done so already, you can get that in the first link in the description. That course is called Natural English Conversations. It definitely connects to today's lesson. That course, which is free, will take you through the sort of cornerstones of having natural conversations. And it's a fun sort of light course, which I, a lot of people say they like. I think it's been taken by over 60,000 people, which is a lot. 
a lot of people. Okay, what else? Mm. Feel free to join the Discord. That is in the, you might see me squinting like this if you're watching and not listening. It's because I turned my lights on and I my eyes haven't quite adjusted to the brightness yet. I'm used to working in the darkness. It's now, uh, <laughs> the lights are on and it's too much. So I'm adjusting, I'm adjusting. Maybe if I stare right into them, I'll adjust faster. No, that doesn't work. Ow, ow, ow. I have, you know, kind of sometimes sensitive eyes, or it takes my eyes a while to adjust to different lighting conditions for whatever reason. Those who would like to join the Discord may do so. Nobody's stopping you. It's right there. It's free. The Discord is just a community. I post things there regularly. Conversations happen regularly. It's a cool space. What else? If you want to get regular updates from me, then please go to my website. Um, you can either go to, uh, if you want, cloudenglish.net, or you can go to my other website, which is where I host my courses, lukepretty.com. And you can, you can uh, just sign up. Uh, you can you know, make an account there and get updates from me. I send out emails somewhat frequently, just letting people know what's going on, what's happening, right? Is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to mention. Well, there is one little thing. I mean, those who 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 have been watching and would like to listen, I am uh, putting episodes out there in audio format. So if you'd like to listen to the audio-only version, you may do so. That is uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overwatch, Stitcher, Amazon. What else? I think that's it. Uh, there might be more. I don't know. All of them, most of them. Most of them. Whatever you like. Okay. Sorry for all the drinking. I'm just, I'm just catching up on my drinking. I'm not drinking, drinking, drinking. I mean, I'm drinking tea. I'm drinking turmeric ginger tea, which is my new go-to tea. It's such a nice, bitter, refresh, nah, refreshing is the wrong word, invigorating. It's an invigorating tea. And I think it's got something to do with the turmeric, which is known to have anti-inflammation um, characteristics, uh, allegedly. Um, you don't feel that right away, but it, there's just something about it. It, it, it. It's doing something. You can just tell. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. Uh, let's get into it. And we're going to start with our first, our first main topic, which is, you know, how do you, how do you start a conversation, right? How do you do that? If you want to talk to someone <laughs> in English, how do you begin? How do you start? How do you keep it going, right? I'm going to give you this in two basic steps, and this is going to sound very simple, and that's because it is simple, but even though it's simple, that doesn't make it easy. Now, this is for any situation that you might find yourself in, 
where you want to engage another human being in conversation, right? First, notice what context you're in. It's a video call. Okay, great. What is the thing that you share with the other person in this situation? So if you can identify that, okay, we work at the same company, all right? Uh, we're in the same time zone. We're in two totally different time zones. We're in different parts of the world because it's a video call. Okay, we're both at the dentist. <laughs> we're both at this conference. You know, identify what that is. And I'm not suggesting that you walk up to strangers out of nowhere and say, hello, would you like to have a conversation? That's a terrible idea. Usually this is something where you happen to find yourself around someone who is in a situation that you can identify is somehow similar to you and then you can use that as the basis for conversation. But you want to start very light and simple and you do that with a question. Now, I'm going to give you a question about a shared situation and also a couple questions you can use almost regardless of the situation you're in. Let's call it a generic question or two, right? So how about we find ourselves in a video call, right? And maybe it's a maybe it's a sort of social thing for work, right? It's uh, I don't know Friday happy hour with your colleagues, and you happen to know in this video call that some people are in different places, right? You're 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 maybe in the call and you see a few other people there. And you know that you're not all in the same location. You know that some people are in uh, different parts of the world, different time zones, right? So what could you say in that situation, right? That might get this, that get the conversation started or at least break the ice a little bit, right? You could, and this is not something that uh, I recommend usually, but you could honestly talk about the weather. It's more interesting to talk about the weather when you're in a different place than, I think, when you're in the same place, right? There are ways to do it when you're in the same place. It's almost so common that it's cliche and boring, but when you're in different places, that's kind of interesting, right? So if I know that you are in a place that's colder than where I am, or I maybe, right, I could just say, how's the weather where you are? Now, I could start that also with, so where are you currently? Where are you based? Based means where is your main location, right? Where do you usually live and work and operate remotely? You know, when you make these video calls, where are you calling from, basically? Where are you based? Oh, yeah. How's the weather there? Once they say the answer, how's the weather there right now? And then they'll probably ask you the same thing again. That's because it's kind of interesting to talk about something because you're in two different places. But if you're at a conference and at that conference you're there for a specific purpose and that's probably shared because a conference usually has a theme, then you can ask something specifically related to that conference. Oh, uh, did you check out the <laughs> session yesterday? Oh, no. 
I didn't have a chance to go. Did you go? Yes, it was very interesting. They talked about blah, blah, blah. Now we're already started, right? So the first thing is, again, identify the context. Then step two, make a question. Ask a question that's associated with that context. Right. Now I said, <clears throat> I said that I was going to give you some generic questions that you could use in almost any situation. How about, what do you do? What do you do? All right, that's pretty good. That's asking someone generally, what's your occupation? Or if, if not, then maybe they're a student and they can talk about that. Or if not, then maybe they don't do anything and they're retired and that's interesting too, right? If you say, what do you do when someone is retired and they say, I'm retired, ooh, I have many questions. How are you spending your retirement? What is it like to, to not have to go to work every day? You know, I can ask a lot of questions based on that, right? Another generic question, how is your week going so far? How is your week going so far? It could be that it is, you know, Sunday at 1 a.m., in which case, or sorry, Monday at 1 a.m., in which case, that might not be the, the best question to ask, right? But let's say it's even Monday afternoon. I can still say, how is your week going so far? I can still say that, I think. And then people can talk about what happened over the weekend, what's happening so far today, what's going on in their lives a little bit. They can give a few details. You could say, how's your Monday going so far? If you wanted to make it a little more narrow, I think that would be okay too. But since you're so close to the weekend, then I think it might be even better to say, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? And then they'll say, oh yeah, it was okay. Did you do anything interesting? Then you can ask about stuff that they may or may not have done, right? So think about where you are in time. These are kind of generic questions but I think they're good for getting a little bit more information. I think they're good for getting people to talk a little bit more. And I think that is the goal of the first question. What is the purpose of the first question? I think the purpose of the first question is to extract a little more contextual information in this situation that I can then use to ask another question that's perhaps more interesting that then can start this sort of snowball effect of the conversation then becoming a real conversation. So it's not that the, the first question has to be amazing. You know, you don't want to walk up to someone and say, what do you think about the fact that, uh, you know, based on uh, the projections for the end of the year, I mean, just something very detailed and complex that would be extremely awkward and strange. So you notice that the first question, especially for someone you don't know, is pretty simple, pretty basic, pretty generic, can be context specific or not, like these generic questions, and is really the focus of it, the main goal is to get information out of the other person, to get some more stuff that you can grab onto with your hands, right? So that you can then use that new information to push things along a little bit further, right? I, I look at the first question as like opening the treasure chest of possible things to talk about. And then after they answer, they have some 
gems I can pick out and ask more things about. I like having conversations. <laughs> okay, perhaps in context, right? I know I'm speaking with a colleague that I haven't communicated with, with often before. It's that video call situation. And I wanna ask something more work-related, right? The weather one could be good again because maybe we're in different places. But what if I want to ask something work-related? There, you can pick out things that may or may not relate to your colleagues based on your own experience. So think about that too. Think about context, ask a generic question, or think about something that applies to you and may or may not apply to them. Well, the weather does, I suppose. But what about, I've been using, I've been using ChatGPT a lot for work recently. And I'm curious if my other colleagues in different departments doing completely different types of work have been using it as well. So I might ask a question specifically around that. I might say, have you guys started using ChatGPT for your projects, in your projects? And then the answer may be yes, it may be no. But that doesn't matter because the answer will give me give me more to, to ask about, right? That's the key. Okay, so hopefully you've got this basic idea of starting. Now, what about when they answer? Okay, so to my question, what do you do? Maybe I'm, I'm meeting someone in a generic situation in a cloud. <laughs> I go to Cloudland and I meet a person in Cloudland. I think I would ask about Cloudland. What do you think about Cloudland? <laughs> Uh, I'm in a generic situation. I ask, what do you do at a party? Okay. And someone says to me, when I ask, what do you do? I'm a software engineer. That single piece should be enough for you to go on and on. Because you could say, oh, uh, what type of software are, are you in? Right. Or maybe I could, if I know a little bit about it, I could, we could talk about languages or we could talk about what sorts of applications they build. We could talk about where they work. We could talk about, uh, you know, different trends. We could talk about whether they feel threatened by, um, you know, AI and how much that's helping uh, people who build software or maybe replacing them. So there's so many questions around it. So as soon as you get an answer to your question, you think of that, that as this sort of like node in the middle and then suddenly, I'm a software engineer. Bloop, 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 bloop. You can see these little bubbles appear around it. And those little bubbles are, are things that now are branches, possibilities for you to ask more about. So then you can dive into any one of those. And I, I really see it very visually when I'm having a conversation. I see these little bubbles appear where I have very little information. And then I ask a question, then I get something, and then I see these little blah, 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 these little bubbles appearing, and then <laughs> I can use those to sort of start down a path, and then you get that snowball effect. How's your week going so far? Ah, it's been a stressful week. I'm really looking forward to the weekend. Okay, now I can ask a question about what they're looking forward to, right? Do you have any interesting plans? What are you going to be doing this weekend? And then maybe they'll ask me the same question and we can go back and forth on that. Oh, really, what's been so stressful? We could talk about the causes of stress and we could talk about then 
asking them questions about their lives and their work and their problems. People like to talk about their problems. Oh, yeah, my manager, he suddenly, you know, at 5.30 p.m. asked me to blah, 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 before blah, blah, blah. And I can ask a lot of things around that, right? What if someone just answers, for example, to the ChatGPT question of you guys using, have been, have you guys been using ChatGPT in your projects? I might say, or someone might say, not yet, not yet. Now, you need to pay attention to people's responses because if you get a, a very short response, it might indicate that they're not interested in, in having a conversation with you. With What's wrong with me? With you. And that's okay, but you need to be cautious of that because if you become one of those people who always pushes other people to have conversations and is not self-aware enough to notice when other people don't want to talk to you, then you become a person that nobody likes. So please don't become that person. So if someone says to a question, no, not yet, I don't think so. No. And I can tell from their body language that they're not interested in having a conversation with me. That's fine. I will stop asking questions. We can sit here in this video call silently until everyone else shows up. That's fine with me. I can meditate or something, right? So just be aware of that and don't force it, right? It's a two-player game conversations and you have to be very aware of that, I think. So if the other person says not yet, pay attention to how they say that. If they say uh, not yet, then I might ask a follow-up question. Uh, do you think it could be useful for the stuff you're doing? Yeah, I've been, and so if they start talking then, it may just be that their initial answer was short. But if you get that sort of, no, not yet, that sort of thing, then all right, this person doesn't want to have a conver conversation with me. Uh, maybe maybe they, they don't like me. Uh, maybe they don't like my face. Maybe they're just not in the mood for a conversation, whatever it is, okay? So let's treat this little video here today as a kind of introduction to conversations, a way for you to get conversations started Notice that we're focusing on asking questions, not talking. It's not focusing on you talking, it's focusing on you asking the questions, right? And notice the first thing we do is ask something simple. It may or may not be context specific to just get some information. Then we take that information, we build out a little bubble of possibilities. We choose one and we start going and it gets easier and easier not harder and harder, okay? So get started with that. Let me know how it goes. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Also, if you want to learn more about this, I have a free course, Natural English Conversations. You can find that in the links in the description. This course is really designed to give you the foundational principles of having good conversations. So check that out in the links in the description. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's conversations. And we're going to be getting into TV in just a moment. 
Uh, oh, I see we have some people here joining us live. Hello, I haven't seen the chat up until now. I apologize. Garav Chaplin, hello. Constantine, greetings. Ulrich, hello. I appreciate that. That's a nice thing to say. Uh, Dionysio, hello. Um, I can't do subtitles live, unfortunately, Dionysio. This is live. This is recorded live. And um, so I can't put, I cannot put subtitles on a live thing unless there's a way to do it that I'm not aware of. Uh, Constantine says, under what label can I find the podcast, the old ones? Uh, it should be under live streams on the main the main page if you're watching on YouTube, but also if you go to cloudenglish.net and you find the podcast page, they're all there. And also if you go to as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find it there too. Nehat, hello, greetings. Chet Warren is here, elbow cough. Elbow cough, indeed. Nasi, hello. Hi, Luke. Hi, everyone. Long time no see. Gillinson from Morocco. Great to have everybody here. If you have any questions, I would I will be able to answer. I'll do my best to answer a few. So feel free to pop those in if you have them. Chet says, hey, Luke, greetings from China. Hello, Chet. Thank you so much. I'm a Japanese who's eager to learn English. Great to hear that. I am, unfortunately can't read the your name. I don't know how to read Japanese uh, characters. Zeno Zeno says, hello from Algeria. Greetings from Algeria. Wow, lots of people here. Awesome. I'm going to take a quick sip break, and then we're going to get into learning some English from a TV show. Devastating tornadoes in the south, mid-south? Really? What's going on with the tornadoes? Can we check that out? What's the tornado news? I'm quite curious. Let me see. Let me see. Oops. Tornadoes. Interstate in Arkansas shut down ahead of twin tornadoes. Tornadoes kill at least 11 people across the Midwest and South. Tornadoes leave a path of destruction. Calmer weather ahead. Tornadoes, severe storms tear across South and Midwest, leaving at least 11 dead. Yikes. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot. Tornadoes are scary. Very, very scary. All right. Well, that's depressing. <clears throat> it's depressing news. I know what can cheer us up. A TV show about zombies whose brains have been taken over by 
fungus. <clears throat> That'll cheer everybody up. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So, the TV show The Last of Us, based on the game The Last of Us, has been what everybody's talking about recently. And we're going to learn some English expressions from it. So, I hope you're ready to do that. Uh, what we're going to do is pick out specific words and phrases, right, from a specific scene. We're going to look at this scene. We're going to try to learn a few things uh, from what they're saying, and we'll talk about how these are used and what they mean. All right. So let's just get started. Let's let's just start. We're going to be, again, we're going to be kind of going through and isolating them one by one. I'll have to listen back probably a couple a couple of times just to sort of get the uh, to get the full the full meaning. All right, all right. Here we go. It was me. He said there at the beginning. I think it was me. I don't. I don't remember what this is specifically about. I was the guy who shot and missed. I was the guy who shot and missed. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Uh, write that down, but I was the guy. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. When you want to say that you were responsible for something and adding who uh, adds details. Classic relative clause. Okay. There's no story. There's no story. Sarah died. And I couldn't see the point anymore. Okay. I couldn't see the point. Sarah died, and I couldn't see the point anymore. What does it mean to see the point? Well, I think you probably know the really common meaning of what's the point. What's the point is what is the main idea that you're trying to get across, right? In a lot of situations when someone says, can you get to the point? What is the point of what you're saying? What is the main thing that you're trying to communicate? What is the main idea that you're trying to say? I'm having trouble understanding because you're talking a lot. What's the point? But there's another way that this is used which is slightly different. And that's how he's using it here. I couldn't see the point anymore. So the point anymore here is I couldn't see a reason for this. I could for for living. I maybe I don't know. I don't know what exactly it is, but I couldn't see the reason why I should. I couldn't see the reason why I would want to, right? So when a situation is absolutely hopeless, and we think, I think, any action that we could take is not going to solve anything. It's not going to help anything. I'll say, ah, what's the point? That's like saying everything is hopeless. Any action that we could take is not going to work. I'm giving up, right? And so someone who might be depressed would say something like, you know, what's the point of getting out of bed? So that's a little different than the other meaning of what's your point? What's your point is the main idea. 
what's the point of getting out of bed? I, didn't, I couldn't see the point of getting out of bed. I couldn't see any, there was no purpose for me, any reason why I would want to do that, right? So that is a, actually almost as common, maybe not quite as common as the other, the other way to use this. All right, let's, let's just make sure we get that. And I couldn't see the point anymore. I couldn't see the point anymore. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I wasn't scared either. I was ready. I couldn't have been more ready. I couldn't have been more ready. So what does this mean? If something is... Let's say if you're talking about your state of preparedness, right? You're very well prepared. Then we often, to emphasize it, to make it a little stronger, say, I couldn't have been more something. Now, this could be for neg negative or positive things. You could say, I couldn't have been more afraid. I couldn't have been more ready. But it could be for a job interview, right? Uh, there's a job interview coming up. And you say, I couldn't be more ready. Now, he says, I couldn't have been more ready because he's talking about how he felt that way in the past. He's, he's telling a story, right? I couldn't have been more ready, which means he was very ready. So after more, usually we're going to have an adjective. I couldn't have been more excited. I couldn't have been more tired. I couldn't have been more afraid. I couldn't have been more focused. All of those are a way to really emphasize, wow, it's a lot. We don't have to take it too literally, but it's like saying very, very that. <laughs> I, I was very, very focused. I was very, very ready, <laughs> right? And again, it could be, couldn't have been if we're talking about the past, we're telling a story. But if we say instead, I couldn't be more ready, then that's now. That's me saying for my job interview that's coming up, I couldn't be more ready. I couldn't be more confident. I couldn't be more focused. That's me right now. Okay, hopefully that's, hopefully that's clear. Okay, let's just go back a little bit. Oh, we went way back. Okay, here we go. I couldn't have been more ready. Now notice how he says it, couldn't have been, couldn't have been. I couldn't have been more ready. Well, uh oh, he's gonna cry. Went to pull the trigger, I, I flinched. When I went to pull the trigger, I flinched. Now, saying went to do something, that's your intention, right? When I went, right, when I went to open the door, I paused. My intention was to open the door, but I paused because something made me stop. Now, what is to flinch? To flinch is used in a couple different situations, but if you flinch, basically, you lose your nerve for a moment. You pause when you didn't mean to pause. You show a moment of hesitation. You show a moment possibly of weakness in some situations, depending, right? So. If you see someone flinch, there's a uh, maybe a, sh a showdown between two fighters. There's their uh, showdown is the wrong word. A standoff is what I wanted to say. Two fighters standing there, and one 
moves a little bit, and that somehow shows the other one that he's uh, afraid of something or has a weakness or something like that, the other fighter then takes an advantage of that. Why? He flinched. He flinched. It's often associated with those old Western movies where you have a, a two gunslingers or two cowboys with their guns on their hips, right? And one flinches and the other sees that somehow as a, a sign of a hesitation or momentary weakness and pulls the, his gun out and, and shoots him in the chest. That's the classic thing. He flinched. So we can use it literally physically in, in that sense, but we can also say... I flinched just to mean hesitate or wasn't sure of myself for just a moment or had a moment of what am I doing, right? I flinched just as I was about to. doesn't necessarily have to be only sort of a physical sign, but it could be something happening internally, inside. Okay. He was about to pull the trigger to shoot someone and then he... He had a moment of hesitation. He flinched. Went to pull the trigger. I flinched. Weak. Still don't know why. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you all this is... I don't know why you're telling me all this. Yeah, I reckon you do. Yeah, I reckon you do. Now, reckon is similar to the word suppose, guess, right? I, I, I usually use the word guess. I guess so. I guess you do. I guess we are, right? Um, if we're making a plan, let's say we're just two friends speculating or fantasizing, imagining the perfect, uh, I don't know, little vacation. And they're just having fun with it. They're just they're just imagining what it would be like to just suddenly take a flight to Hawaii or something and spend three days uh, in, at the beach relaxing. And then one says, hey, we could actually do this. That's crazy. That's crazy. No, think about it. We both have a lot of travel points we could use. Who's going to miss us if we both take one day off work? This could be just a spontaneous, crazy thing we do. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe you're right. It sounds crazy. We weren't planning. Are we about to do this? And the other person says, I guess we are. And I guess we are is sort of this half, I know it for certain, and half, I don't know it. It's kind of in the middle and that's a really useful thing to be able to communicate sometimes, right? And that's why we use the word guess often, but we also use the word suppose, right? I suppose so. I suppose so is when you're kind of there in the middle. Now, reckon is the same thing. I reckon so. So we have to be aware of the connotations in order to know the differences because generally they do mean kind of the same thing. They can be used in different ways. For example, guess can be used in a lot of different ways, but reckon is that sort of that middle state saying, I guess that's right, right? I reckon, I reckon you do. I reckon so. I reckon that's true. And so the difference is in the way that I think people will feel when you say it. To me, it feels more like cowboy English. It feels more like um, countryside language. 
it feels more to me when I hear it like not just casual, but what I would associate with redneck or not super well educated. Now, that's not actually true because a lot of people do use it, but that's just the immediate impression that I get when I hear it, right? So just be aware of that, that these words have their own unique connotations, and I think Reckon has that. And when he says it, I definitely get that, right? If he said, yeah, I guess you do, it would sound a little more well-educated to me than saying, I reckon you do, right? Which makes me think, what? Uh, before the zombie apocalypse, was this guy a, a, a lawyer? Probably not. I don't know, actually, because I don't, I don't remember. But uh, you know, maybe he, maybe he was a trout fisherman. I don't know. <laughs> just these are just my impressions. You're telling me all this. Yeah, I reckon you do. I reckon you do. I use it sometimes, once in a while, when I just want to have variety, variation. You know. I have a couple more to look at. A couple more. So time heals here. all wounds, I guess. There's another one. Time heals all wounds, I guess. Now, she says, time heals all wounds, I guess. Could she say, time heals all wounds, I reckon? She could. But maybe she was a lawyer in her last life, and so she says, I guess. <laughs> that's the, No, that's actually a terrible analogy. <laughs> that's terrible. It's not accurate. I don't think that's an accurate representation. I'm just... I'm trying to get across the connotation that we get from these words. I'm not trying to tell you anything specific about the true reality of who says it and who doesn't, right? Tons of people use reckon, but it just has that, that feeling about it, okay? So what does time heals all wounds mean? Time heals all wounds is a common expression that you would say when you want to communicate this idea that no matter what happens in your life, no matter how painful someone dies or you lose $100,000 in crypto or whatever it is, we can consider all those things to be wounds. And if time heals all wounds, that means eventually you'll, you'll feel okay. You'll, you'll get over it. You'll be fine, right? Time being the critical factor. So it's just an expression. When would you say it? Well, you might say it when someone is going through a very difficult time to console them. I know what you're going through right now is really tough, really difficult, but you know, time heals all wounds and you're gonna be okay. That would be a fine thing to say. You also might use it when you're just stating this as a fact, right? Well, I know that time heals all wounds, so whatever I face, I think I'll be able to overcome, right? Uh, even if something didn't actually happen. All right, let's let's review that quickly. So time heals all wounds, I guess. Time heals all wounds, I reckon. It wasn't time that did it. It wasn't time that did it. <laughs> Pedro Pascal, so much emotion in his voice. It wasn't time. It wasn't time that did it. He's a good actor. What a good actor. 
I'm glad that that didn't work out. I'm glad that that didn't work out. It didn't work out. But what does something working out mean? It means the results are good. <laughs> if something works out, and we say it, everything will work out in the end, that means everything's going to be fine. Eventually, everything will be fine. There are difficulties, there are problems now, there are uncertainty now, we don't know. But in the end, everything is going to be okay. Everything will work out. It'll all work out. Very common. If something doesn't work out, then maybe you have a plan. Maybe you're trying to build something, create something. Maybe you're trying to make something happen. And for whatever reason, it fails. Or it doesn't go as you expected. It doesn't go as you planned it. And someone asks you, hey, how's it going? And you you gave up two months ago. So you say, well, it didn't really work out. It didn't really work out. Now, this could be for things like plans, but it could also be for things like relationships, right? Again, you, you were dating someone and two months later you meet them or you meet another person who knows that you were dating that person and they say, oh, how's everything going with blah, blah. You say, well, it didn't really work out. That means you broke up. So the relationship didn't work out. So it can be used in a lot of different ways. Something does work out, something doesn't work out. Saying things will work out is often used in a more general sense to describe things very broadly. And saying didn't work out is maybe more often used for specific things. The relationship didn't work out. That thing that I wanted to do, my crypto, $100,000 crypto investment, didn't work out, right? I don't actually have a $100,000 crypto investment, just for the record. <laughs> but I think it's a good example. All right, so those are the expressions and words that I wanted to teach you. We talked about seeing the point, right? Couldn't have been more something. I usually have an adjective at the end of that. Couldn't have been more ready. To flinch, to hesitate, to have a moment of weakness, whether it's obvious or visible or not. To reckon, I reckon so. I reckon we do. I reckon you probably understand the words we've been talking about. Time heals all wounds. Very common expression used in a few different situations. For example, to console someone and something working out or not working out in the end. If you have any questions about these, please let me know in the comments. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also get a free course, Natural English Conversations, that is in the links in the description. All right. Fatima, hello. Um, all righty, friends. We're getting there. We're getting there. Hello, Luke from Vietnam. Hello, Taco Taco Art. Hello. Okay. We're going to talk next about Oh, I forgot to update the number on the thumbnail. Dang it. 
I put 37, it's supposed to be 38. This is 38, not 37. Rats, I have to update that. Note to self, update thumbnail because this is episode 38, not episode 37. Okay, I'm just making a note to myself so that I remember that. There we go. All righty. That didn't work out, that refers. Oh, could I use that didn't work out? Um, yeah, I think I could use it in that situation, definitely. That would, that would work. That would totally work. Okay. Well, we're going to go on and we're going to talk about guys. Because I think that's really interesting. Very common question that I get. Very, very, very common. Super duper common, you could say. How do we use guy or guys you hear it all the time you hear people say hey guys what's up guys are you guys ready right can i use this for anyone or is it just for men well it's not so simple so we need to go through both right we need to understand two sides of this number one how exactly is guys used generally and by whom right and then how exactly is guy or guys used to be specific about a person and if that's confusing well let's get into it let's look at some examples okay so if you look at the examples on the screen here hey guys what's up are you guys going you guys are awesome, as you can see in the GIF there, right? Thanks for helping, guys. Guys, let's get started. So what is the common thing in these examples? I'm addressing a group of people. It's like in this case saying, hey, all you people. Hey, all you people. Well, it's quite awkward to say, hey, all you people. Okay, well, how about, hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. All right, but what about if, if there's two people in front of me? Hey, everyone, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> that then becomes strange, right? So wouldn't it be nice to have a word that could be used in all situations to address more than one person, right? Whether it's two people or a hundred people, wouldn't that be nice? Because everyone does kind of sound a bit formal. Hello everyone, I'm, uh, like today I'm going to be talking about uh, what happens to why bananas turn brown. Um, so, everyone's a little formal. Two people, we can't use everyone. That's not the perfect word all the time. How about guys? Yes, the perfect word. Are you guys, that could be two people or ten people. Hey guys, two people or ten people, what's up? What's up? Although it would be strange to ask maybe a hundred people, what's up? Well, everyone starts talking at the same time. Last weekend, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that would be very overwhelming. But 
you guys are awesome. In this GIF you see here is that uh, who who is that? Who is that in the GIF? Lenny Kravitz's daughter, right? Is that Zoe Kravitz? I think that's Zoe Kravitz. So she's talking to the whole audience in this studio. You guys are awesome. It's making a statement, addressing everyone. Great. But there are men and women in the audience, presumably. Is that okay? It is okay. Thanks for helping guys. Am I only talking about men who are helping? Not necessarily. Does it have to be a mix of men and women? Not necessarily. If this were an audience filled with only women, could she say female women? Could she say, still, thanks, you guys. You guys are awesome. She absolutely could. Could a girl say to her two friends who are girls, guys, let's get started? The answer is 100%. Yes, 100%. You hear it all the time. You hear it, it used to be only, I think, in American English, you hear it everywhere now. So it is absolutely acceptable, absolutely okay for you to use guys when you want to address people more than one, no matter the gender. It doesn't matter at all, okay? So that's nice to know, right? That, that, should, be, that should be good news. Okay, but now maybe we should talk about when guy or guys is used to talk specifically about men because in fact it is sometimes. It's not that it has totally changed its meaning and now is only used to address a bunch of people. It can be used to focus on men. And it is often used when we're talking about one person and we're trying to identify them by gender, right? So you might say, that guy looks confused. There's a guy standing in front of the bank like this and you identify guy maybe purely on appearance, right? Beard, guy clothes, right? You're using general descriptors, right? That guy. That guy looks confused. And as opposed to that girl looks confused. That woman looks confused. That lady looks confused. Right? We're trying to identify this person from a distance. And it could be an old guy or a young guy. If it's a if it's a child, then we would say that that boy looks confused. That kid looks confused. That little kid, that little boy looks confused. If it's someone who's clearly an adult, guy works for everybody. But there again. We are talking specifically about a man, right? I'm the guy. I was the guy. These two also probably refer to a man. I was the guy who sold it. So a woman probably would not say, I'm the guy who sold it. We use, women use guy to address other people regardless of gender. And so do guys. But when I say so do guys, I'm saying as opposed to women. Women do it, girls do it, and guys do it. So you hear this girls, hey girls and guys. Girls and guys now suddenly refers to men and women, boys and girls, right?
So if someone says, I'm the guy, I was the guy who sold it, that means me, this man here. I'm a man, I sold it, basically is what that's saying. So when you notice that for the other one, we said guys, and this is using guy. So when you're using guy, you're usually referring to the specific gender of the person, right? Uh, and sometimes we want to ask about gender. So I might say, is your nutritionist a guy or a girl? And I could say man or woman. It sounds a little more formal to say that. I could say boy or girl, nutritionist, boy, yes, my nutritionist is a six-year-old boy. But this is a common question or a common thing to say to identify gender. Is your nutritionist a guy or a girl? Uh, a guy. Okay. Now I know that's a man. Okay. What about some guys are coming over later? Can I ever use it to talk about multiple people? Because remember we said guy is, uh, excuse me, guys is used to address many, many people, right? Or several people, more than one person. And it could be men, it could be women, it could be both, doesn't matter. Some guys are coming over to fix it though, is not addressing them anymore. And so if you're not using it to address people, hey guys, what's up guys, thanks guys. Now suddenly, it is probably going to be about specifically men again. Right, so you can talk about multiple people who are all men as guys. And if you're not addressing them, which means talking to them, thanks guys, then it is probably referring to them as a group of men. So when I say some guys are coming over to fix it, something is broken in my home, and I know that the people coming over are men, then I might say some guys. And if there are two girls on that team, then I might not say guys. I might say some people are coming over to fix it, right? So I just wanna be clear on this. It's not that it's just the difference between guys and guy. Guys can be used to specifically point to or talk about gender, all right? So I hope that this has made things more clear. If not, or if you have any questions about it, let me know, right? Feel free to do that in the comments. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. You can also get a free course, Natural English Conversations. That is in the links in the description. All right. I hope that's clear. I know it can be confusing, but I really hope that that kind of clears things up just a bit. Um, a proper IELTS test and it's first time following you and I found that, that very interesting. Oh, I prepare, I think is what you wanted to say for IELTS. Zeno, in that case, I think that you're going to enjoy the next topic we're going to talk about very much. Greetings from Assam, India. Greetings. Hello. Hello. 
All right, we're gonna get straight into the next topic because um, just because that's that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Tea break, if you don't mind. I thought that the word guy says nasi is officially for a man. Well, I think I just explained how it's not the case. Guy, guy without s, yes, generally. But I think I just I just described at length how that is not necessarily the case if it's plural. Okay. So, now we're going to do something really, I think, really, really interesting. It's kind of experimental because it requires us to use a model that I haven't used. Um, but we're going to see how it goes, right? We're going to see. We're going to test it out. Okay. Give me one second. I'm just copy pasting something and then we're going to get into it. Okay. So let's hop over here. Can you use ChatGPT to practice for a specific exam, like the IELTS writing exam? And I think the answer is yes. After doing some rather extensive testing, what I'd like to do is share with you how you can use this. Now, I want to be clear that what I'm about to show you is the first time I'm doing it with chat GPT based on 3.5, GPT 3.5. In my testing, I was using GPT 4. So what I'd like to do is, you know, see the results, see how different it is or isn't. And we can talk through that as we go. We're going to be looking specifically at the IELTS writing exam. And this can work for either part one or part two of the IELTS writing exam. Now the key to this is to tell ChatGPT what the criteria are first, how the scoring system works, and then give it an example. I tested this pretty extensively. First I tried saying to ChatGPT, here is an IELTS essay, right? Give me a score a band score. And the results were all over the place. Honestly, not very accurate. Again, GPT-4. I then found online somewhere the scoring criteria specifically how the scoring for IELTS is done. And then I gave that to ChatGPT and I said, learn this. And let me know if you understand. ChatGPT said, I understand. Then I said, based on this criteria, I want you to then give me a score and a breakdown of the scores for this example. And then I provided an example. 
that I knew was about that number and I got a really accurate result, okay? So we're testing a couple things here. I'm showing you how it's done and we're also together trying to see if GPT 3.5 is as accurate as GPT 4. I found GPT 4 and I tested it pretty extensively. I found GPT 4 to be extremely accurate, pretty crazy with very good feedback. So let's see. So what we do here is paste in the following prompt. I will put this in the description. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but the initial part is I want you to learn the scoring criteria for the IELTS writing exam. If you understand the criteria, say, I understand. Then you just paste in the criteria, task achievement, the details associated with task achievement, coherence and cohesion, the details associated with that, lexical resource, the details associated with that, grammatical range and accuracy, the details associated with that. These are sort of the, the, the pillars of the scoring system. But then we have the calculation. So how's the calculation done? So for each one, you get a score out of nine, and then they give you the average of those scores based on each of the four groups that I just, that I just mentioned. Okay, so that's how it works. So you, you basically tell ChatGPT, hey, here's how it works. Now let's see if what we want is for ChatGPT right now to say, I understand. That's all we want to see. Here we go. I understand. All right. So far, so good. <laughs> now, this is as far as Chat GPT-4 does really well with this. But now we're going to see. Now, we've given it the criteria. ChatGPT clearly understands. Now we need to give it instructions and we need to give it a writing sample. So now we put in use the same I don't know why these marks are here I'm going to get rid of these use the same scoring criteria so the criteria above the same scoring criteria to score the following writing sample and give a score breakdown so if I'm trying to improve my writing and prepare for the IELTS writing exam I don't just want to know what my score is. That's not particularly useful. What I'd like to do is know what my score is so that I can see that I'm improving. And also, by the way, maybe find some examples and check those examples against this to see what they're doing exactly that makes their score higher than mine, right? I'm also trying to hopefully get some useful feedback. That's another goal. I want it to tell me exactly what I can do to be better and why you gave me this score. All right, so this is the only prompt. And now we have the essay, uh, which I just grabbed from some, just some IELTS essay. Nowadays in worldwide nations, every moment we are uh, displayed advertisements on TV shows. Okay, so I think what we want from this is about a five. It's about a five. That's what we're trying to get around a five between a five and a five, a five point five, right? And maybe we could just change a couple of things to um, understand that how it may have an effect on of youth brain and corrupt it. So that's kind of a weird phrasing there, right? It's not it's not a great essay. 
begging his parent, that there's a mistake there, to purchase it and crying all time instead of all the time. As a result, his poor father will be finally obliged to buy the toy. And I'm going to change this, maybe to say force, uh, force to buy the toy. Um, there's an error there. Okay, so let's just see what we get. Let's go. Task achievement five. <laughs> the response only partially addresses the prompt. The first paragraph discusses how advertisements are produced and whether producers are, uh, excuse me, care about ethical trends. But the rest of the essay discusses the effects of advertisements on people and ends with a suggestion to authorities to check and control advertisements before they are shown. Coherence and cohesion. The response lacks coherence and cohesion. The ideas are poorly organized and not well connected. So the disconnected ideas cause some problems. Talking about totally unrelated things. The paragraphs are not well developed with several incomplete sentences and unclear phrases. The response uses limited vocabulary and there are errors in word choice and word formation. For example, ethical trend mentally is not wise enough, high demand while they are watching, begging his parent, uh, will made them do to make. Okay, so some major issues. Grammatical range and accuracy 4.0. The response has several errors in grammar, including subject verb agreement, article usage, preposition usage, tense usage, and sentence structure. For example, we are displayed advertisements. How much producers care about ethical trend to making them? Yeah, these are all these are all issues. So let's see if they put the one I have in there. Begging his parent. Uh, hi, no, they don't. They don't have mine, but that's okay. Okay, so overall score, 4.25. So actually a little lower than, than I would have guessed. Although, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's about right because reading through it, you can see that it is kind of, kind of weak. So not, not, not too far off. The score for each criterion is added up and divided by four to give an overall score of 4.25, which is very low. <laughs> An extra little, ha, gotcha. <laughs> which is very low, you loser. No, I mean, that's not nice, ChatGPT. It's everyone is trying to improve. I think that's a little harsh and a little critical. Um, if you get a 4.25, that's actually, you know, pretty easy to fix. It doesn't mean you are not good at English. It means, okay, you know, make sure your spelling is correct. Make sure your ideas are flowing a little more naturally. If you focus on one thing, Develop that a little bit. Don't jump suddenly from topic to topic. Uh, if you have some basic grammatical errors, probably just going back to read through it and correct a few things will fix those. So a lot of the, the things between, let's say, 4.25 and 6 are not huge gaps, really. It's not a gigantic gap. A lot of that stuff is relatively easy to fix. But I think we, we have a pretty good result here. Now, I got a bit more, I think, accuracy from GPT-4, but I think this is a great starting point, right? And again, the steps are, number one, you teach ChatGPT what you want it to score you based on. So if you're taking another written exam, whether it's TOEIC or whatever, TOEFL, whatever, right? You find the criteria first, 
You ask it to learn the criteria and then you ask it to respond with, I understand. Then you ask it to essentially grade you or score you based on the criteria. And then you can ask follow-up questions, right? You could say, for example, uh, how could I improve, it already said this, but I could ask, how could I improve my uh, vocabulary usage? Let's see what we get here. Improving your vocabulary usage can be gradual, but there are several uh, ways to start building your vocabulary. Okay, so it's giving me some tips. Maybe I could say something like, uh, let's say, how could I improve my coherence and cohesion score? Okay, let's see, we get improving your coherence and cohesion score in the IELTS writing exam involves organizing your ideas and presenting them in a logical and structured way. Here are some tips that can help you. Plan your writing. Use paragraphing. Divide your essay into paragraphs, with each paragraph focusing on a specific idea or point. Use linking words or phrases. Okay, so it's quite a few, quite a few useful tips. So, you know, look at it as a kind of back and forth thing rather than it just being, okay, here's my score, now I'll try the next one. You know, push back. That's the great thing about having a chat interface that you can ask follow-up questions, you can ask for more refinement, you can get more details, you can give it a specific paragraph, you can ask it to rewrite it. Uh, I wonder if we can say, can you rewrite my IELTS essay? Uh, so that it is more, uh, let's, let's just say in a more clear and um, accurate way. Let's see what we get here. Sure, I can certainly help you rewrite your IELTS essay to make it more clear. Please provide the essay. Oh, well, I provided it above. The, 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 that is it. All right, well, let's provide the essay. Let's provide the essay. Here we go. Oops. Chat GPT, they need to work on their, their interface. Just selecting things, selecting elements, and not selecting other parts of the screen. It's, I mean, in three years, we won't be talking about this. But right now, it's just, it's close to terrible close to terrible. All right, here we go. Let's see what we get. Let's see if we can get a rewrite. All right. In today's world, advertisements are ubiquitous and constantly bombarding us on television shows, mag magazines, and large LED boards at intersections. However, it is unclear how these advertisements are produced and to what extent producers prioritize ethical considerations. Wow, okay, so <laughs> it's much more accurate and much more clear. So we can look at that and get some ideas about how to organize things, right? And again, make it a back and forth. If you see it as a, a teacher, a partner, someone you're working with, rather than just this static tool that gives you outputs, I think you're going to get a lot more out of it. If you have questions about this or ideas about how to 
train your own English teacher, please let me know in the comments. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Also check out my free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. Okay. All right. Pretty good. Again, I think maybe not quite as not quite as good as the other one, in my opinion, my humble opinion, but still, I think, pretty, uh, pretty solid. Useful, at least. Useful, at least, right? All right. So that might be useful to who is saying they're taking the IELTS? Um, someone was saying they were taking, preparing for the IELTS exam. forget who. Okay. Well, I guess we can call it a day. Everyone who joined, thank you for joining. It's been great to have you. Those listening and watching later, you can join uh, live when you see the notification. <laughs> Today is Saturday. Happy April 1st or April Fools. Uh, if you want to celebrate, you can punk your friends and make them believe something that isn't true for a day, just for fun. Why not? Um, I'm probably going to try that on some of my friends. Let's see. Anything else? Yeah, check out the courses. You can get a discount on my full courses on the website. And you can also make sure you're a subscriber. So add your email so that you get uh, notification emails when stuff comes out, new courses are launched, and so on. Get a free course, Natural English Conversations, link in the description. If you're listening, you can watch on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching, you can listen on Spotify, Apple, and wherever. Again, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you for joining, and I will see you in the next one.